with a no fly list. Um, as, as far as the no fly list, no fly list, no fly list. If you want that list, that list, list. The most problematic thing is, is that any, any, anyone can be under the investigation of the FBI. FBI, FBI. FBI, FBI. And I know that something really good is going to come out of all of this. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another week of the No Fly List, where we talk to comedians, artists, and other cool and interesting people of color. I'm Mathir. I'm Amama. And this week we had comedian and writer from Chicago, Meg Indurti, on our show. Um, it was so fun. Meg is just full of energy. Um, we talked a lot about her quarantining with her parents. Oh my DC. gosh, yes. It reminded me so much about my experience, except the opposite, because she was talking about how by the end of it, like she could get to the point where she could have a drink with her dad. And I'm like, I can't, I, can you imagine? <laughs> I don't think I'd no. ever get to any point in quarantine where my dad would be like, you can, I'll drink, and then you can also drink. Um, but exactly. it was funny, even though like talking about how there's like some sort of sometimes like these walls between like brown parents and their children, especially. And so it took like the quarantine to sort of break those walls down a little bit and just see our parents as like ordinary people and humans. Yeah. And like and I think like Meg also talks about a lot about like how her parents um, like they start to like share like their beliefs, like political beliefs. And she learned so much about like her mom and like her mom's like younger self and like also just learning about yourself and loving yourself. So this was just such a fun episode because we really get to talk a lot about love and self-love, which I think lately is like the most important thing you could do in I mean the you world. know mama I brought a book to your apartment that's true <laughs> I've been, it's been the topic of mind for us for a while but yeah I finally got to see a mama for the listeners not just over zoom uh which was awesome and got to catch up in yeah. Brooklyn but it was really cool when you were like oh um do you know Meg? Can I invite her on? I'm like, oh yeah, I met her in Chicago, which was really cool back when we had indoor things and parties and comedy. Yeah, <laughs> and I know. it was even better getting to know her on the podcast because yeah, she was so also inspiring and um, her writing is really funny. You both work on um, you write for Flex together, right? Yeah, and she does like New Yorker, like McSweeney, like she's just like a really awesome person and I think like this was just like a good episode for everyone to learn more about themselves and the way to do that and I think a lot of it again always goes back to self-love which has been like kind of the best thing lately like I've like I, you know like I've been alone and it's been so nice because like all I want to do is just like lately I've just been not going on my phone or online and I've just been reading and being like by myself and it's like a whole other level of like being with the self so it's just been like really dope and I think like Meg touches upon a lot of that stuff in this episode so it's just like a lot of fun to listen to yeah it is a lot of fun she's very insightful very wise and also, you know, if you ever wonder what, if you're still wondering what it's like for brown women in comedy, then you have three of us talking about it. Um, yeah, exactly. Spoiler alert, not easy. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but before we get into Meg's episode, um, let's get into our first segment, the No Fly List, No Fly List. And this is where we um, pick a person to be on our No Fly List or our shit list. Um, or instead a group of, of people. Instead, or a group of people. That's true. We can hate, we can hate a lot of people. Exactly. <laughs> um, the right type of people. <laughs> who's on our list this week? Ooh, okay. I think people, especially men, who don't apologize and own up to their mistakes or take responsibility. Like uh, recently, just the most recent example is Chris D'Elia's apology about being a sexual predator. His non-apology apology. His non-apology, and- yeah. And just shit like that drives me crazy because, you know, women, as women, we're overly apologetic, even when we have nothing to apologize for. And then seeing other men get away with things where they should be apologizing and then completely like evade it by just, I I don't even know, just uh, not like deflecting any kind of responsibility. And how's, how's that an apology? 
It's more yeah. like, oh, here, I did it. I said it. And I've seen this over and over, and we've probably seen this a lot in the, not just the comedy community or the entertainment community, but even on a personal level. But when it's like something this horrendous and you don't even take like responsibility for that and try to rectify it, then that's, you belong on the no-fly. You shouldn't get to fly, okay? Not No, I agree. You don't get to fly I, first class. You don't get to fly at all. You don't get to board an airplane. It's Greyhound for you all the way. <laughs> no, I think like... As you get older, you just have to take a little bit more responsibility with, like, um, your apologies and owning up to shit that you've done. And I think, like, if you don't do it, that's just that's just you and that's on you. But, um, yeah, I feel like often it's – especially if you're, like, having a talk about relationships, it's easy for people to get defensive. But I really can't stand people who are like, well, if you only did – and it's like, well, that's not an apology. So Chris, Chris DeLeo should also just be on the no-fly list because he's um, a pedophile yeah. or yeah, like a disgusting dude. So no, there's a lot of reasons for him to be on it, but we'll group him with people who can't apologize properly. Exactly. That's just his most, uh, that's his like lightest offense. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think listening to Meg is a great way for you guys to learn how to be an adult and grow up and be cool people. And I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Meg. How are you? It's good to see you again. Do you remember meeting me in Chicago? Yes, I remember meeting you. It was like, wow, I guess now it was like a, two years, almost two years ago. That's yeah, crazy. I met you with Sabine, <laughs> also a friend yes. of the show. And yeah, we it was the Chicago, it was like a um, Laugh Factory holiday party. Yeah. It was, was insane. So fun. You guys remember parties indoors? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, I remember how crowded that was. Wow. It was so crowded. That's, yeah, that was definitely a, what would be known now as a super spreader event. But yes. it was so <laughs> cool. It was just like all the comedians. I remember it was freezing and we were all outside on the balcony, just like hanging out. And everyone just like, yeah, yeah it was. And it, it was, went forever. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know anyone. Thank God Sabine is here. You're very sweet. And I was like, ah, a friendly face. You know, when you're in like comedy hangouts. <laughs> And you're just like, yeah, eh. especially in a different city. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know what? Yeah. I actually think I'm better in a different city than I am in New York because, like, nobody knows me there. So, like, I'm not expected to be like, hi, hi to everybody. But, like, in New York, yeah, then I'm like, oh, how do I approach this? How do I have a conversation? You know, you just get the social anxiety. <laughs> but when you don't yes. know anyone, they don't know you, it was almost like easier in a way. Yeah, and I Meg, I've that. never met you, but um, in person. <laughs> no, I haven't, but I was like... Yeah, you're right. We haven't. We haven't, but um, via Twitter, I was I was like, oh, I really like your tweets, and then your writing, and then I realized that, like, you know everyone that I know, because, you know, brown women, there's, yes. like, 12 of us. <laughs> there are. There's, like, five. We yeah. All, yeah, we're yeah. all in the same group chat. Basically. And we all have to, like, <laughs> we all have to, like, vouch for each other and help each other out, but it was like, that's why I'm so excited. I was like, oh, I get to talk to you via zoom and maybe one day in person yeah one day when yeah when the pandemic ends in like five years yeah <laughs> at an open mic <laughs> how's it been though like are you so you're in Chicago or did you grow up in Chicago no I grew up I kind of grew up in like a bunch of places but I like to say like in the DC area because that's where I like spend the majority of my life um I was home for quite a bit during the pandemic just like with my parents uh it was really hard at first, but actually it was like really great towards the end. Like we kind of figured out how to live with each other. So that was fun. But no, that's, I'm back in Chicago right now. <laughs> that's like been everyone's story. Cause like, I, so my parents, um, recently, like they redid their downstairs area that someone used to rent out. So now mm -hmm. it's free. And my mom was like, well, you know, you could live with us now. And I was like, no, no I can't thanks. do I'm it good. right now. Um, <laughs> but I like, cause yeah. Athir also was home for a bit. The yeah, early, I was yeah. in Alabama, so uh, I feel it, what you said about learning to live with each other that that definitely resonates with me. That because I hadn't been home in like I've been in New York for thirteen years, so yeah, going back to Alabama after living as a free woman in New York. Ooh, that's like the exact. That's like with the my plot Muslim of a parents. Movie. Like it was the <laughs> yeah. exact. That is a. That is a movie. And then I fall in yeah. love with our, like, uh, cowboy neighbor. Like a small town boy. She's New York. He's Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> He's racist. She's a Muslim. 
Yeah. And hilarity exactly. ensues. That's a beautiful rom com. That's gonna be like a CBS <laughs> show. And all yeah. the white people all the white people are gonna love it. Be like, no, see, you could call them things. They're like, no. Yes. Yes, racism is just a personality trait uh, <laughs> to white people. Yeah, no, I hadn't been home in a decade. Like I after like even during college I wasn't really home uh even during high school I was barely home like I was always just kind of like I mean you know how it is growing up brown like your parents expect you to be this like perfect person so I like literally left as soon as I could and even when I visited home it was like a week tops and I always had like shows and stuff so I was barely how old were you when you left um I guess like I was like 17 when I went to college and then I really didn't come home much. And then after college, I moved to Chicago. So yeah, I hadn't really been home in literally exactly 10 years because I'm 27 now. Um, Well, I mean, like I'd been home, but for like a week, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, but I left and um, and March was really tough for everybody. Um, April too, but then yeah, I don't know. I think when you grow up, you like start realizing your parents are like people who like fucked up and yeah, you know, you just kind of figure out. They were just out. doing the best they could at the, with the information yeah. they had at the time yeah. and still are. And they're, they are from, and you try to understand that, at least for me, like mm-hmm. it was the first time I really tried to connect with my dad during the pandemic. So he had been playing like Rummy Cub with his friend and he was like obsessed with it. So I ordered it and we started playing and I was like, this is the first time I've actually like made an attempt to mm-hmm. Um, you know, connect or try to like find something that he's interested mm-hmm. in. And it was really nice. I think it was healing for me in a, in a way. Like it was like, yes. you know, all the shit that goes on in your childhood. And then after like being removed from it for a little while helps give you perspective. And I think, um, I don't know, that, that it makes now going home easier. It does. Like you feel... I feel the same way. Like, I feel like I connected with my dad, my mom and my brother in like ways that I hadn't in a long time. Like, like my dad and I are very similar. Like we don't like we like our love language is just like sitting in silence and watching like a terrible movie. And we both really like whiskey. So like every like half hour, he'll be like, this is good. I'm like, yeah. And that's it. That's our entire conversation. Your dad and and me are really similar then. It's honestly, my dad and I, I, I'm so close to my dad. Um, he's like my best friend, but the way that we bond is by sitting in silence and watching like all these like home repair shows and I'm Muslim, <laughs> so I can't drink and, or he doesn't know that I drink <laughs> but, and yeah, he, I don't if, want him to know. If our parents are listening, we've never had a sip of alcohol. No, but I think <laughs> okay. if, if, if whiskey would be my dad's choice of, uh, of liquor because it's mine, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I love whiskey too. It's my favorite. You are yep. so lucky you get to drink with your parents. That would have you made really the pandemic are. like so, so much easier. Oh my, I ha- I, I, I called the mama one day. I like snuck a rosé from Publix somehow when we went shopping. And then <laughs> I was like sitting on the porch just drinking it. And I got like buzzed off this like, t- like can of rosé because I hadn't had alcohol in four months. Yeah. And then I think a mama was like, you have to also destroy the evidence. Where are you going to throw it away? <laughs> and so I had to like walk to like like a half a mile away dumpster that was like part of like the, the apartment complex, like main dumpster. And then that's where I got hit on by these like redneck dudes that were shirtless and like, you want me to take my shirt off too? And I was like, no, please don't. And then um, I threw I th- I think I said something to them because I was like, oh, human contact. And then I was like, ew, these weird broy frat guys are just like getting wasted and probably, you know, throwing COVID parties. But anyway, <laughs> that was my experience with drinking during the pandemic. And um, I, I like that we're in our 30s. Yeah. And I was like, Athir, you have to destroy you that. Can. <laughs> you can't let your parents find out that you were drinking. During so Ramadan, may I may yeah. I also Ooh. add, like the mm. last day, I just I couldn't make it. I mean, I wasn't even fasting, but I was like, I <laughs> it's a lot with the pandemic. Do- well, pandemic, my parents, parents, trauma, not being in my uh, in my cozy space, like my healing space and all the things that help me like, you know, like, yeah, cope. yeah, it, it's really hard. <laughs> my, my my parents are ne- like, especially my dad was never cool with me drinking ever. Like, even at the beginning of the pandemic, like I'd have like a glass of wine. And he's like, oh, another glass of wine. I'm, like, I didn't have one since last week. Like, relax. 
um, what's going to happen? Like, I'm going to fall asleep in my bed. Um, so <laughs> he was really <laughs> weird about it. But then I think, again, like over the course of months, we were like, I was like, dad, I like having alcohol. Like, you just, I'm 27 years old. You can't act like I'm a high schooler. So then he finally was able to like get to a place where we could like, like have a glass of scotch together. That's, that's it. But it's, it's, it took him a while to get there. It took him a long time. <laughs> wow. Can I, can I ask why? Like, what was it about that? Because like for, for us, it's like you're not supposed to drink, you know, so. Yeah. Because you're going to go to hell. Yeah. yeah. So like my dad doesn't drink. So I, I'm just curious why in his case, was it because like you're his like little girl? He has to protect you. He's scared. Like, is it a respect he- thing? Because there's also a thing in our culture with like smoking in front of men like some women won't smoke in front of men you know Mm -hmm. my mom never gave a shit which i it's so funny like but a lot of women in the village would just like then like if my mom had people over they just like throw her the like like, oh we're not smoking and my mom okay (laughs) that's weird but yeah is it anything like that um i think it's just like um i mean it's just like my parents grew up in india i was i grew up in india for a little bit too like there's just like especially in our family, there's like that purity culture a little bit where it's like women are not supposed to drink or be loud or be like, you know what I mean? Opinionated or anything. We're like, you're, like you're children. To... We should be seen yes. and heard. Exactly. We should just be like sweet and like not. And I think he just, my parents aren't like huge drinkers. They have like a little bit every now and then, but like I think they associate being drunk with like being like a crazy rabid person. Um, so it's it's kind of like it's that. So I think when they saw me drinking, they're like, "Oh, she's like gonna be she's like on a, a crazy party girl." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So th- that's just how they were. But I mean, obviously, I drank quite a bit as soon as. But that's that's what I think it is. It's like the more you like try to control people to not do something, like because they were so strict about me not drinking. Like as soon as I got to college, I like got wasted all the time, and that was not good. Um, so it, it was like a year of being wasted where I'm like, oh, I need to not like drink every chance I get just yeah. because I can. But you don't like learn self-control. So <laughs> I, I think that's like a, a theme with like immigrant parents in general. Like there's so many things that like even now, like yeah. sometimes when I'm like trying to get close to like my parents and then they'll say something and I'm just like, now I'm going to do the opposite. And it's like, yeah, no, don't do this. Complex. You're 31 years old. You can't <laughs> act like you're 16 anymore. But it is like, especially with immigrant parents and the idea of like, you know, like perfection or like not wanting you to be too American, which like mm-hmm. includes like heavy drinking in their minds um, right. and all this other stuff. But yeah, like it's so being true. out of control. My parents would always like associate drugs with being american like oh yeah. these americans on the drugs and alcohol and all. <laughs> yeah oh drugs alcohol they all have sex have like a million babies like that's what my dad thinks is gonna happen to me if i like hang out with too many american people uh i remember like as a, <laughs> I was, and by like, that through, we mean white people yeah <laughs> but by white people yeah he was just like i remember <laughs> even as a kid he'd be like don't trust white people He'd be like, he um, wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. He was right about many things. He was just like, he's like, yeah, you know, sometimes white people have opinions, but they don't really know what they're talking about. So you don't have to listen to them. That's like, oh, that's <laughs> can we have your dad on the show? He he was right about so many things. He was like, that's the thing we ended up connecting with the pandemic. Like he he's like always been like, don't trust the government. They don't yeah. they don't know. And I'm like, oh, we're the Word. same people. <laughs> Yeah. It's so true with political stuff. I think they've all come from countries that have like let them down so severely. Like even my mom, yeah. I was like, can you believe this is happening? She was like, yes. And I was like, oh, like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Can you believe what's happening in our countries that's that we literally, still can't wrap yeah. our head around? Like that's yeah. way crazier and no one gives a fuck or knows exactly. about it. Exactly. So that's something that I really connected with my mom about, like, she I didn't really know this about her like she was like leftist like very leftist growing up like she was like I mean she grew up in like the late 60s 70s in India and she like was very poor like in a village so she was like her and her sisters were like Maoists they like read about Lenin and Mao and like uh, communism and all of that yeah and she was like a teacher so she would like kind of organize and make sure that like the girls in the village would like be able to get an education and she'd like stay late to teach them while she was pregnant with me like 
Oh, she was a badass. A badass. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Women awesome. are so like, especially women of color, immigrant yeah. women. Right. Like they are geez, you know, they just are amazing and they are. Yeah. Oh. I feel like I yeah. want to now get to like, know. my mom was also a teacher. I feel like we have similar parents. Yeah. <laughs> what if we were, oh my God, we're the same parents. We <laughs> like, Imagine. <laughs> Wait, my dad drinks this, with you, but not me. <laughs> <laughs> Meg is his favorite that daughter cool. that you don't know about. Yeah, <laughs> it's a second family. Yeah, no, that was just really cool in the pandemic because like, um, you know, just like exchanging, like my mom would, you know, share stuff about Lennon and Mao and stuff uh, with me that she would read. And I would like, you know, tell her about Fred Hampton and Malcolm X yeah. and like Angela Davis and was like a, American also, history. Was she a Marxist? Yeah, she was. A lot she of, a lot of Arabs also are very political or, or like, mm-hmm. especially around that time. And like my uncles, and like so a, lot, a lot of people were like um, very much like Marxists and like um, kind of spoke to them. I'm like, oh, wow, you actually had, I should have these conversations with my parents, too. That's interesting that you learned this yeah. stuff. I, I only got like random stories about my dad. They were entertaining. And I'm like, oh, I see why <laughs> I wanted to be a stand. Like part of it is a mix of my mom and dad. Like my mom is like more of like the sarcastic witty one. And then my dad is like more of the performative, like one, a silly one. Yeah. So it's I feel like, like a perfect mix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I also feel like with our like uh, families and like just thinking about like a lot of brown kids when they start to get to know their parents a little bit better you're like oh I actually even though like comedy or like arts and entertainment is a it's a field that a lot of people don't get into it's like no I realized that like no my parents were really creative whether Mm -hmm. that or and like political and that like they expressed it in like creative ways but a lot of it's been stifled because they came to this country for something better or just to come here and like um I feel like there's like such a creativeness in all of our cultures it's often been like repressed and we go after this like American form of like arts and entertainment but it's like no we have it all within us as well so if you're brown and you want to get into all this shit you should no I mean it's that's so real because like my grandma was like an incredible like artist and like she everything that she stitched like is hanging up in all of our places my mom's an amazing painter and my dad's like like there you were saying he's like very performative like he's um, like he's very quiet, you know, most of the time, but then when he's around a group of people, he performs for sure. Like he's telling jokes, he's, on, he's yeah, like, yeah. he's on and I'm yeah. like, and he's really funny too, like in a very sarcastic way. So makes sense. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. It's funny that, yeah, we're, the pandemic really made us, re- I know, like rediscover those relationships. Um, and then also kind of discover like what's going on with ourselves. Is there anything that you kind of um, came to realize about yourself or, you know, during the pandemic or while being home? Yeah. Yeah. I really like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I really feel like I changed a lot. Like, I feel like the person I was last March and now is like, it's not that I'm like a different person. It's just that I feel like because you're alone for so long and you're like really thinking, I, I mean, I went, I got I journaled a lot I went to therapy I like read a lot of things and I really feel like I understand myself more I understand like my roots my opinions like I feel like before I definitely had opinions about things but now I feel like I'm more educated about the opinions that I have mm-hmm. and I really feel like I like I, I think like especially with comedy like I chase validation a lot from other people. Um, I mean, we all do. We all do. From <laughs> yeah. men. Yeah, totally. I mean, we still do. But like now I just feel like I don't, I care, I care less about validation from other people because I, I feel more secure in who I am. Yeah. Um. So I feel like that was something that was, that really helped, that really helped me with, the, I mean, I hate to say like the pandemic was good for anything because I don't think it was, but it did allow me to like sit still and figure something yeah. I think it like for a collect like the collective environment too. I think it allowed people to see like the holes in the system and realize that they do deserve better. Mm-hmm. And deserving better also goes into this this piece of like validation and grinding and realizing that like your life doesn't have to be like so intensely like I have to do this and people have to see me do this and like yeah. as things slowly start to open up again. Um, I think that's like one thing that I've been trying to keep in mind is like how do I not I don't want to go back to the yeah. way I was where I was so unhealthy 
like mentally and emotionally because I wanted people mm-hmm. to see how well I was doing. And now yeah. it's like, did that even matter? Everything, <laughs> everyone's on pause. Like it sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's for me, I also just like, I think it just gave me perspective about, about like what is more important to me. I think I was so like, like, I mean, I'm, I have a lot of anxiety, but anxiety is a very like self-centered kind of disorder where you're just like so wrapped up in like, oh, this person you're hates so me. You're so self-involved people. and it's a, yeah. almost a form of narcissism in a way. I mean, not to go to that yeah. extreme, but I'm so also like my friends and I were talking about this yesterday. It's like you can be like, um, you know, kind of it can be very yeah, self-involving really. And just like thinking everything, uh, 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 the world is, you see the world through, you know, just your eyes and no one else's eyes. You think the, yeah. And so if you don't Mm -hmm. offer the other perspective, it's so easy to get sucked up into that is what I'm saying. It's so easy. And you don't think of it as narcissistic because you're like, when you're anxious, you're like beating yourself up. You're like, oh, this mistake I made, everyone is thinking about it. Or this thing I said, everyone's thinking about it. And no one's thinking about you, (laughs) only you are. And so I think it gave me perspective in that, like, I just got more involved in the community in DC, like with mutual aid. I was, I started, um, you know, working again with my like professor from college and being like a research assistant, which like, I read so much history, both Indian and American and just doing those things just sort of you know, made me think about the bigger picture. It's like about like, oh, like actually doing something for the world. And I just care so much more about that. And I think it helps me like ground myself when I start getting obsessed with a guy or like some comedy thing. I'm like, oh, this is like a, I'm part of a bigger narrative than just these small things. And also I think like what always, like lately what's been helping me is like, Especially if it's like a guy or comedy, those are the two things. Yeah, and the other things I'm obsessed about is like like hypochondriac shit, which is just anxiety. Comedy, <laughs> men, and health pretty much yeah. sums it up. Or anxieties, yes. exactly. Yes. But I think like yes. it is important. Family, to be like, well, family for sure. Family, yeah. But it's just like you know, I've I always have to be like, look, I've gone through this before, and yes. what was the outcome then? And you know what? This time it's no different. And half the time, like. I forget about the dude. I for, like I have no yeah. feelings towards this thing anymore. So why am I doing this right now to myself? Like future me would be kind of annoyed that I'm hurting my current self by being like, like so self-involved with this. So yeah. that's been like a go-to mindset for me lately. If one thing I was like learning from a therapist is like the thing that you're looking for in other people is like what you refuse to give yourself. So like, This Mm -hmm. validation I'm looking for men is based on me not feeling attractive as a brown person growing up. So now I want to be validated or comedy is like, oh, I don't think I'm like, like, I think it's like an accident that I do well in comedy sometimes. So like, I need that validation, you know? So it's like, it's like, okay, how can I like figure out how to give this to myself? So I don't like need it from other people. Like their approval shouldn't matter. Yeah. I tell myself I love myself now, but like sometimes when I'm like, like, especially when I'm anxious, I'm always just like, er, like I recently moved. So now I'm like alone, but I'll just like, I've said in the last week, I've just been like, all right, I love you. Good job. (laughs) Just like, but because it's like things have been so stressful for work that I had to be like, I love you. You're doing such a good job. Yes. And and I think like that is really why like I wasn't because normally when I'm stressed out, I'm like, which guy can I talk to? And now I was just like, no, I love you. Right. Let's keep going. And then I like made myself brownies because I was like, that's what I want for someone else to do for me. I'm just going to do it myself. Yes. That's amazing. Exactly. I've been talking to myself definitely more and more. I don't know if it's because it's like the symptom of the pandemic and living alone, but um, I'm just like, or I was doing it yesterday. So my, my, uh, a phone basically was dead and I was on my way to a show and I walked an hour and a half with from like Brooklyn to Lower East Side and I walked across the bridge and I Ooh. I was just like talking to myself even more because yeah I was I was on an adrenaline high I got vaccinated last minute I got an appointment and I was I rushed to Brooklyn and I hopped in an Uber and it was like the best thing ever I was like it, it was a whole story, which, <laughs> but anyway, I got there, got my vaccination, walked an hour and a half, phone was dying. I was like, shit, I need the GPS just to get me to my show. So I was like, can't put my AirPods in. And I just was thinking, I was like, 
and I was just thinking, all right, ba- like, look at this. This is amazing. Or like, and then sometimes I'm like, you just did that. Or I, I'll say like, I'll call myself like, if I feel like emotional or something at home, I'll be like, all right, what do we need, baby? What do we need, my love? Yeah. Like, what is <laughs> yeah. it? Like, and yeah. then try to figure out. And like, I would do that for someone else, but I don't do that for myself. And I was like, why? I'm so nurturing to other people. Exactly. I can yeah. do that to myself. But it's uncomfortable and weird sometimes because we're not used to it and it may sound weird or feel weird in the beginning and uncomfortable. But the more you do it, the more you internalize it. Just like you internalize, I hate myself in some ways. Yeah. You internalize that in different self-talk ways. Self-talk is important. Yeah, self-talk. Yeah. yeah, especially when you say it out loud, it actually clicks even more than just yes. thinking it in your head. I, I, I like meditate in the morning now and I'll like just like look at myself in the mirror and just like do like affirmations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is it. the shit you went through. This is what you did. And like yeah. even if you like did something wrong, it's like, that's okay. Everyone fucks up. Like yes. just yeah. like talking to yourself like you would to your friend. <laughs> exactly. And also like brown women, we're so nurturing and like we really do go through a lot more. And like, especially in this industry, we really like have ourselves it sounds like weird like of course we have each other but like it's not the same that like a lot of like the brown dudes will have support of like white women even (laughs) whereas like for us it is like we have ourselves and you have to like lift yourself up and um I think all of us grew up in this country like not believing we were good enough or pretty enough or anything because of like Mm -hmm. we didn't fit the the modes of whiteness um and now it's just like no I'm, I'm trying to heal that and I think yeah. affirmations, meditation, like just telling yourself that you love yourself is so important. It's I I have I like learned something about myself. I realized I have like a self-sabotage tendency. Like whenever like stuff goes right, like I just can't like if I accomplish something, if someone that I like likes me back, if anything good happens, I'm immediately like, okay, like how like I'm just I just like, I'm like, okay, this is wrong. Like this shouldn't have happened to me or I'll like figure out a way to like dilute it somehow. And I'm like trying to work on that to be like, nope. Like I I was in New Yorker and I was like, like bullying myself. Like, oh, you don't, you don't deserve that. And I'm like, no, 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 it's good. It's just like a thing that you did. It's not the most, it's not, it doesn't define you, but like you should just be, I should just be happy about it. Just yeah, just and also it's, it. it's yeah. a dope thing. I saw yeah. when I saw your name, um, it was like a recent one too. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, That's I think amazing. it's like, yeah. I think it's so important. To own like, it. Yeah, own yes. it, especially the New Yorker. Like that shit's yes. so dope. And to be honest, like a lot of people really don't get published. In- Act like a mediocre white man. Have the confidence of a mediocre white man. And but you be, have, yeah, and you have the skill. But you have the like talent a, of, yeah, exactly. Of a, of a really dope brown woman. So like those two, like combining those two things is what you really need to do. Well, and I think that's what's important because it's like, I'm like, oh, it's really important that I'm writing this because like, you know, like for one of the, one of the parts in it, there was like a comic part. I'm like, oh, we should make fun of Emily in Paris in this thing. Cause I was so fucking pissed that got nominated for a Golden Globe. So for one of like the dialogue parts in the comic, we like my, that my cartoonist and I like roasted Emily, Emily in Paris. And that's like cool to have the New Yorker platform to do that yes. because like, fuck that show. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. I talked to you about, um, about yeah. those nominations. I haven't seen it. Don't I just I mean, sound don't. like I, it didn't look like something I'd want to watch. So it's a like, worse Pass. version of Gossip Girl. Like I don't even know why it got. I yeah. thought we were all watching it iron- ironically together. I didn't think anyone I watched it when I was so sleep. depressed. So I, I was can't. just I like couldn't get out of bed. It was one day where I just couldn't get out of bed, and I was like, okay. And it just helped my depression because I was like, this show is trash. And then, yeah, you're like things could Mindless. be worse. It was exactly. literally, it was literally a show that wasn't going to give me anxiety. So I watched it. Yeah. And I couldn't, it was the only reason I watched it is because I couldn't physically get out of bed. I was so depressed. And then <laughs> after it was over, I got out of bed. Like that was, I was like, God, I had to do something. This show sucked. Like, <laughs> I got to make something. Yeah. My brother and I watched it just be, just got high and watched it in like two days. And we were just mocking it the whole time because the dialogue was so bad. I'm like, oh, wait, someone thought this deserved an award. Oh my god! I can't. I, was, I don't have the patience to hate watch stuff. To be honest, I really you shouldn't don't. Know, it makes me too angry. One. I can't handle hate watching. It's yeah, yeah. That's fair. Well, That's um, fair. Meg, I know we talked really briefly about um, focusing on men sometimes, but we have a segment on this show called Fifty Shades of Brown, where um, you get to answer a dating question from one of our listeners. Um, and okay. this week, our question is. 
Um, how long do you should it take to get over someone that you were dating or an ex? Ooh, I mean, that depends on how long you were with them. Um, for me, if I was with them for two days, it takes me a year to get over them. And <laughs> if I'm with them That's for a year. That, yeah, if I'm with them for like a few years and it usually takes me a week or a month. That's my, so you have um, the inverse of most people. <laughs> no, I think, well, okay, this is me. I'm trying to be better now. But I think it's like when you're with them for a very brief period of time, you project a lot of fantasies. You get like invested in their potential, which is why it takes so long for me to get over them versus when you date them for a while you kind of learn about them, you know, their flaws. And by the time you break up, you you understand why you're not compatible. So it takes that's, shorter. Wait, that's that actually, thank you. I've never really realized why I did the same <laughs> shit. This is, yeah. this is now this makes sense. Cause I often like, I'm now like kind of seeing someone, but like not really, but like three years ago when we first started hooking up, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And now that I've yeah. like this year, I've gotten to know him and it's been months and I'm just like, I don't get why all of a sudden I'm not invested. Whereas three years ago, if he had canceled on me, I would have been like, I'm so Devastated. sad, but this makes yeah. sense. I don't like yeah. him. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. date him. That's why well, it makes it easier. Yeah. But what if it's someone like, okay, you're like, for me, I was engaged. We were together four and a half years and people say wow. like, it takes like, like half the time that you were with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, but the real, I think that grief, I mean, not just me, it's been proven grief is not linear. And sometimes in the beginning, it feels like a loss for me. It was like a devastation. And it was it really, I never thought I would stop feeling like pain, even though I knew. So it really depends. Like if it was someone you were in love with or just someone. Yeah. That, so it's not necessarily just time bound, but it's also, um, kind of just the intensity of the relationship and the feelings yes. that you had for that person. But also, I you know, be careful to not like project um, what you want fr from that person, like onto them. Because for me, I was kind of mourning the idea of what I thought we would have yes. in the future and who they could be. But yes. when I really like kind of like pinpointed it, I was like, oh, I'm not as sad about losing this particular person. It's what this represented to me and the life that I thought I would have and like mourning that loss. Like mm -hmm. it, it wasn't necessarily, and it was partially like the person, everything is like wrapped up. But I think if you can also try to kind of pick apart and tease apart, like what is me and what is something I feel like I need and I'm missing that I wanted in this person or was willing to overlook things and like yes. what was it about that so that also takes a lot of like introspection and kind of like after the pain heals and stuff but I heard also like um that grief or pain or something a loss takes at least a year yeah, until your brain like sort your of body. starts to, yeah, body starts to like kind of slowly snap back. But it might take, it could take years for a lot of people. And it could be a day you feel perfectly fine and then something triggers you, reminds you, and then you yeah. like feel pain for like five minutes and you cry and get over it. At least in my case, I just cry, feel it and get over it. I think you do have to like cry and feel it. Like I got out of a, I think like a little, it was like a little bit over two years of a relationship with someone and like, I think what year was it yeah in 2019 towards the end of 2019 and I had like two months where I was I would just cry every day and it was like really hard and then just one day I got over it and we're you know we're still friends now and stuff and now I'm like oh I totally see how that was the right decision like I I'm able to like logically understand why we're not compatible but like you know, when you're in it, when you're like upset, you just remember all the good moments and everything feels so heavy. But yeah, but once you, you know, just one day I just, yeah, one day you just wake up and you're like, yeah, I'm over it. But like, you can't, it's like a light switch for me, but like, you can't force, I can't force it. There's so yeah, many times exactly. where I'm like, I'm done, Don't try to force it. That's, I think yeah. that would be like the best advice is like, let it take as much time as it needs, but also if don't let it drag on and wallow too much. Have a pity party uh, for like, you know, a few days and then get over it. Uh, not get over that, but like then start to actually like understand yeah. and like try to feel the pain. But it takes a while to like paint, you know, my therapist say like pain is, you have to digest it like food. It has to go through your body. It has to go through all the phases and then it, it releases. So you can't force it. You can't bypass any steps. Yeah. No. The sooner you feel yep. the pain, the sooner it leaves you. Yeah, That's really I agree. True, yeah. 
I, I love, I mean, uh, there was, uh, my friend would give me advice, like, like, I think this is what helps me. It's like, imagine like, you know, the future that you want, like the best version of yourself in the future, like accomplishing the things you want to accomplish. Like, is that person who you think would be equal to you at that time? And for me, that answer was no. And so it's like, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Like I'm upset about this now, but I'm act- I'm actually growing because I'm becoming who I am and they're not a person that would like, that yep. would go with me there. Yeah. So, but again, it, even if you can logically surmise that, you still have to like go through that grief of accepting that to get there. But it just, it takes time. Like, yeah. Anyway. And I think like, I think it's so easy to sometimes put blame on yourself, which is why yeah. like it, for me like it used to take longer because I'd be like this is my fault and now I think I read somewhere like there's a Twitter thread where it was like guys sometimes like seem like they move on fast and this dude was like no like we feel shit but like at the end of the day I just think like well if you don't want me all right cool like there's a bunch of other people who do but I think with women or like we're just so conditioned to be like what's wrong with you why can't you keep a man yeah (laughs) and it's like no because men are trash that's why some aren't worth keeping that's why also they always come back they always come back they always come back slide back like a boomerang yeah Yeah. they come back even as soon as they see you doing well they're like assalamualaikum i'm like nope (laughs) no 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 not allowed no i I can't how they initiate like flirting with you so i have (laughs) i have had someone do that and i was like is this the one thing you learned and i was like i'm sorry i'm not dealing with this (laughs) well my my hinge date I woke up to a message yesterday that said, um, Jamal Mubarak. I was like, I don't think my dad has ever said that to me. He's Wait, what does that mean? Jamal Mubarak is like just like a happy Friday, but that's when you pray Jamal. Like, <laughs> like it's that's a weird thing to do. Does he yeah, know? Yeah, it's not even a casual mean? thing. He grew say. up in the Middle East, so I would assume. Oh, yes. OK, OK. Oh, I thought this was like a white dude doing this. I don't oh, know oh, no, no, no. But, OK. Okay, that's really weird. Okay, that would actually even be more, that would make more sense to me because he wouldn't know the context. Yeah, but okay, the fact this, is what, that, this is what I thought. I thought it was but a white But the fact dude that he knew like, the context, I'm like, wait, you met me, like we shared wine together and like, what? <laughs> why did you think I'd wake up to, I don't know. Anyway, if he's listening. Um, it, he's it listening was, Jamal was, Mubarak it gave me a Jamal Mubarak back it just made me giggle because I'm, I'm not religious and that's a it reminded me of it when you said assalamu alaikum <laughs> would a white dude say that assalamu alaikum that yeah really, and I was like what the fuck is this I was like that I'm sorry sir that is hilarious no, no. and weird and you ew. gotta be careful no. Do some of these white dudes like fetishize so much women and they're like "Ooh, you're so like interesting and exotic and i'm like i listen to taylor swift i'm not that exotic (laughs) relax (laughs) it's very weird it yeah i've I've, i'm glad that like new york has helped me um because i lived in like boston and providence i only was like around white people it sucked yeah and then when i came to new york i was like not dating a white person for a long time i don't think i could now I, like the more I like learn history and like get involved in stuff, it's so hard for me to like, unless they were like a very like informed, specific white person, it would be very hard for me yeah. to just, I feel like have a conversation. Unless they're like straight up from Ireland and remember, yes, like, I think Ireland dudes are like, they're all about like the IRA and shit, like so specific yeah, yeah. Irish where they're just like, yeah, no, like they, this shit's they fucked get up. Exactly. They, they get it. They I love, yeah, I yes, love, I love um, and there's like a lot of like, um, kind of that communal overlap or that sense of community with Palestinians and, and it is yeah, and Irish because we, yeah. So, um, I love, I love my Irish. You guys are, there. um, yeah, they, they're, they the were Irish. also try like people were trying to erase them and they have a lot of like, yeah. yeah, they get it. I, I country and they yeah. under, they get it. Yeah, it's very it's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, I studied abroad in England, um, and when I went to Ireland, I, I was there for a few weeks, and I uh, like made out with every hell yeah. Like I, just, <laughs> there, that, it's I was the accent too. Come on, let's be. Oh real. yeah, I was just like, yes, we can to every single. Person. Oh my god, <laughs> si, si so puede. 
<laughs> I was like, let's go. I mean, they were all like, I, was, I think I met like one non hot Irish guy that I was like, no, I'm not interested. But like literally everybody else was just. Yeah. Like, yeah. There was um there was a bar in the the West Village East Village I forget now what is New York City um, yeah. <laughs> and one of my friends is a bartender there and he's Irish and his Irish buddies would come and like he'd always be like oh because everyone calls me by a lot of the guys call me by my last name so they'd be like ah oh, this is Sardar and the guys were so hot and I was just <sighs> like I was always like Sean just you have to let me have sex with your friends <laughs> and he was like no, they'll do it he's like no one's stopping you <laughs> they like, were so it. yeah and I was like wow like you guys are like men it's like America doesn't have yeah this. they know how to like handle their whiskey and super mm-hmm. yeah they're I'm, yeah. Into, I'm into that mm-hmm. for sure <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of white men and Irish men, we actually have a segment called Keeping Up with the Caucasians. <laughs> so this is a segment where we talk about things that white people do, different categories, and whether we as people of color, brown people also do these things. So you men- mentioned Taylor Swift. That would be an example of one. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah, we I'm going to. Exactly. <laughs> so we're going to see how white you are. This is a very uh, mathematical system. Very, very data oriented. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So the categories are food slash beverage, pop culture, TV, activities, style or clothes, phrases or sayings, and miscellaneous. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm excited for this. Do you have a category that you want to choose from? Oh, oh, I'm supposed to take a category. Um, Let's do food. Food. Okay, that's a popular one. I love food. My favorite category. Okay. Um, how do you feel and have you ever had, this is a big one on the show. This was a running theme. Uh, flavored hummus, like dessert flavored hummus or different flavored hummus. Like chocolate Like flavored? chocolate hummus, strawberry hummus. No. Have you ever had it? No. I would, I think I've had it, but I don't like it. It's not how it should taste. It's did an abomination. It? Yeah. Did you buy it? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I would never buy it. I would yeah, never that's... buy it. I've had it by accident at a white person's house. I, never... <laughs> exactly. I like the by accident where you were like, by what accident. is this? I can't have this. It was the only thing available. And I was like, okay, I guess <laughs> I'll eat this. No, I, I think I'm, I'm literally like, why would you even, I don't understand why you would even eat that. I saw it today in the grocery store. Um, and I, okay. I honestly, if I wasn't, so close to a theater like if she wasn't one of my best <laughs> friends I would have bought it one time but like oh, I'm saying God. that like now oh, no. that we are like like so close what flavor to- what flavor no no I would <laughs> I would have like been like chocolate that seems interesting but then I know like now oh, no. out of shame and yeah, I know yeah. <laughs> I could never do that to you so now every time I see it I'm like oh yeah disgusting. something shouldn't and be mixed we actually have chocolate. yeah I love yeah. chocolate it does not belong almost and if you guys look no. at it um we have a episode um, in the first season where me and, and Layla tried a bunch of the different types of hummus. The ch- and that one got like the most listens because we were just so like our reactions were so strong. Um, <laughs> so go back if you want to hear. We did the chocolate one, I think strawberry, whatever we could find. Um, but I feel like I, as a PSA to the rest of the world, yeah, I have to tell people like, that's not hummus and there's pumpkin spice. No, no, I draw the line. I would literally pumpkin spice. That's disgusting. That's white supremacy. (laughs) (laughs) It is. That is finest. That is gentrification. That is white supremacy. Yeah, you're right. That is QAnon shit. Yeah. Yeah. I hate, I hate that. Oh my God. Yeah, I saw like, I think at Trader Joe's, I saw like pumpkin spice masala or something. And I'm like, I can't, I had to leave. I was Wait, just- right? See? That's yeah. really upsetting. Ma- yeah. ha- no, you don't put- What does that even mean? You, you can't just pu- add yeah. masala to the end of stuff and say, no, that's not how Also, it like, that's so weird because like, I can't imagine like cooking like chicken because I always do like busy food and I like make like paneer and shit, but like, but yeah. never, pumpkin spice doesn't belong in anything. It, it barely belongs in coffee. I'm like, I can't believe yeah. you would. Ugh. Yeah, white people took it too far. They, get, <laughs> they, like, too they, far. they see one thing that has like a slight flavor. flavor. They're like, yeah, I guess we should just add this. <laughs> we'll just add exists. pumpkin spice to anything and it'll be <laughs> white now. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's like, what is that? 
That's true, really though. Calm. There's not a lot of flavor in their food. So I imagine that, like, what you're right. Like, when they're like, this is flavorful, what else can we put it in? Pumpkin and spice just is not a real spice, people. It's not a spice. I just have to, it's hard to break it to you. That's why they added spice to the end of it. So you would, like, believe. <laughs> exactly. If you have to add spice, although we do yeah. have all spice, that's different. But, uh, <laughs> but like, that's, that's yeah, only like turmeric spice. We're yeah, exactly. Like chili powder spice. Like, Cumin yeah, spice. Exactly. exactly. It's, it's all in the name. This is all making sense. It's a it's yes. a pumpkin spice conspiracy. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. It, yeah, you didn't buy it. Oh, and I would never buy pumpkin spice masala or anything like. No. Oh, oh God, never. no. I'm gonna go to Trader Joe's and start smashing. Oh all my the God, we shouldn't masala. protest. Although I do love shopping there, so I'd have to go to a location I, do I don't go to, now. and then smash it. Yeah, they've, that's pretty affordable based on like other prices in New York. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm I kind love, of, I yeah, I can't afford to shop anywhere else. So, <laughs> <laughs> whoops, I uh, can't afford to get banned from there. <laughs> Never mind. Trader Joe's, you do what you want to do. Sponsor us. And if us. you want to sponsor us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Look at uh, how quickly yeah. we we went to the capitalist side. I can easily be bought. Yeah. I started out at the beginning saying I'm into Marxism. I ended with sponsor us and I'll eat your <laughs> we sold out so, so fast. I'm that so was easy. A, yeah, that was the quickest I've sold out. Wow, <laughs> took the, two minutes. No Not hesitation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, Meg, thank you so much for being our guest. You're so wonderful. Where can our listeners um, read all your brilliant stuff? Find you. Yeah, um, I think I post like pretty much all the highlights on Instagram. So if you go to at Meg Indurthi, M-E-G-I-N-D-U-R-T-I. That's like where I have all my thirst traps, all my Woo. articles, all my dumb sketches, like whatever. Everything's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it in the show notes and you can follow us at No Fly List Pod and follow me at Thir Yakub. And you can follow me at Amama Sardar. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much, Meg. It was so good to see you again. Yeah, I could see too.